Genesis chapter 22, and want to read one verse in your hearing, verse 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. I'd like to speak for a few moments this evening on this subject, the child of faith, the child of faith. Would you pray one more time? Lord, we're so thankful to be in your house, so thankful for your spirit that we feel here in such a powerful way. Lord, I know, God, when you are here, you are here to do a work. And I pray, oh, God, tonight that you would do your work, the work that only you can do. You can change us from the inside out. You can make us a new creature in Christ Jesus. God, have your way tonight in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated and thank you for standing. 1807 was a bad year for Americans. The new republic was tottering on infant legs. The British were shooting at us in a prelude to another war. Economically, there was depression with prices soaring out of reach. But that bad year was a year that some gifts were given to us in the form of new life. Nancy of Kentucky entered the valley of the shadow of death to bring a son, Abraham Lincoln, into the world. Wadsworth, America's great poet, was born that year, as was Cyrus McCormick, the noted inventor. It really wasn't a bad year when you look at the babies that were born in that year in America. 1864 was an even worse year for America. Sherman was looting and burning American cities. Grant and Lee, old comrades in arms, were matching cruel weapons in Virginia. But Mary had her baby anyhow in Diamond Grove, Missouri. And that kind of a world needed a George Washington Carver. We were at war with Mexico when tiny little Tom Edison was born. And we were at war again when Edith gave birth to Charles in 1898. That when our battleship Maine blew up and the Spanish-American War with it. But it was a good year for the birth of someone who one day would heal others and found the Mayo Clinic. It's hard to tell what's a bad season or a bad situation. Because in the worst of times, the greatest gifts from God are given. Perhaps this was the greatest trial that Abraham had ever encountered. It was certainly not his first. He had lived through the lonely nights and days when his wife struggled with the barrenness of her womb and the emptiness of her arms. The sorrow, the frustration, the grief, the despair. These emotions increased as the promise was pronounced and yet there was no evidence of the prophecy finally led to both of them taking matters into their own hands and helping God with the promise. Helping God. We always get in trouble when we feel like we've got to help God with the promise. This promise that God had given to Abraham and Sarah that they would be the father of a great nation. No, it wasn't happening quick enough. 
So he had a son with the handmaiden Hagar, and she gave birth to Ishmael. But that did not solve anything. In fact, things got more complicated. And Abraham became even more confused and perplexed. Finally, Isaac was born of Sarah. And then surely everything would be worked out now. But no, Sarah had an issue with Ishmael, the older half-brother, picking on little Isaac as a young man. She saw that other boy as a living example of their failure. She was reminded daily that he was not the promise of God to Sarah and Abraham. And this daily reminder grieved her. And she said to Abraham, those people have to go. But that's my son. Sarah and Hagar, she became his mother at our request. And now you want them to just leave the comfort of our camp? Sarah, that seems unreasonable. I'm going to have to go pray about it. You do that, Abraham. The Lord told Abraham to listen to his wife. Sometimes when you get that answer from heaven, you have to go back and pray again. (laughs) And so they were sent out. And the Lord provided for them. Things started to calm down. When the Lord told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son... And the Bible adds those three words, his only son, Isaac. The Bible says, go to Mount Moriah. He put the wood on Isaac's back. Abraham carried the fire and the knife. Those are the necessary things that are required for the miraculous hand of God to move in any situation. The wood requires that part of the sacrifice that's necessary. Every revival, every breakthrough requires sacrifice. You're not going to have the favor of God without the wood that is necessary for the sacrifice. The fire represents the Spirit of God. The fire that hovered over the tabernacle in the wilderness. The fire that fell on Mount Carmel at the prayer of Elijah. The fire that sat on their heads in the upper room of Acts chapter 2. It represents the power and the presence of God. And the knife is repentance. That that cuts to our heart. That that represents the circumcision of our heart. In the Old Testament it was the circumcision of the flesh. In the New Testament it was the circumcision of the heart as Paul taught in the book of Romans. But there was something missing. Isaac noticed it. He asked his dad, where is the lamb? A lamb is a baby sheep. A lamb is a child sheep. Abraham said, God will provide the lamb for himself. We go, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. But here's what we do know. We're going to worship God anyhow. In this context... It describes a place higher up on the mountain. Abraham was going up by faith. He was considered the father of the faithful. It was not a specific place that he could point his son to that could be described with geographical boundaries. But it was a place that had spiritual coordinates. It was a place where faith and worship intercepted. It was a place where sacrifice and solution would join. It was a place where Abraham, the father of the faithful, had to move to higher ground. And the thing that was missing 
from this cocktail of spiritual ingredients uh, was worship. Uh, that's what was missing. That's why he told Isaac, God uh, will provide the lamb. Uh, but there is something that we're going to provide. Uh, and we're going to worship. Uh, I've come to preach to you tonight uh, that only worship can be born uh, in the barren land of a trial. You may be a faithful man or a woman, but when you go through a barren time, uh, when you go through a season of uncertainty when you go through a yonder place you gotta say I'm gonna worship God anyhow God's given you an Isaac God's given you a promise but it's time for the child of faith to be born a child that comes from a heart of worship a child that says I'm gonna bless the Lord anyhow a child that says, I'm going to worship God because I believe. If you say you believe but you don't worship, you really have created a barren land. But it's in the context of a trial where a child comes from faith. A child that says, I'm going to worship God. A child that says, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. I'm going to go ahead and praise Him. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to praise Him anyhow. I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I'm going to praise Him anyhow. As soon as Abraham told the young men to stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder to worship. As soon as he made that declaration with his mouth that we're going to worship, that sacrificial ram started making his way up the other side of the mountain. Oh, my friend, regardless of what is missing in our lives, as soon as we decide to worship, I said, as soon as we decide to worship, the answer is set in motion. Though it may be invisible to you, you say, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. We know how to walk by faith, but sometimes faith gives birth to worship. We know how it is to just keep on keeping on. Others may not be here tonight, but you're here because you know what it is to walk in faith. But I feel like God is telling us when we get to the mountain, we got to make up our mind. We're not going to just get to the mountain and come back and just overcome that one particular trial. I'm making up my mind. I'm going to worship God. Even when I don't understand, I'm going to worship God. Even when I don't know why my promise is on trial, I'm going to worship God anyhow. God's given me an Isaac and I can give him praise. Worship is born in the fire of a trial of our faith. The empty halls of seemingly unanswered prayers becomes the nursery for unconditional worship. It worships with no evidence of an answer. I said it worships with no evidence of an answer. A child called faith grows into worship. Abel, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Abel the fourth human to live. That name literally means exaltation of breath. They named him Abel. Because they were saying, God's given us life, God's given us breath, and we're going to use it to exalt the Lord. He was born to use his breath to exalt God. But ladies and gentlemen, praise has always been under attack. The enemy tried to take out praise from the very beginning. 
something was planted in the heart of Cain to take Abel's breath because the enemy doesn't want anything or anybody to worship God. The first murder was praise, an attempt to eliminate the breath of exaltation. But after Abel was born and died at the hands of Cain, there was another child that was given to Adam and Eve, and his name was Seth. And Seth means anointed. What the enemy could not shut down with praise, he can't touch with anointing. Because anointing comes with worship. You say, oh, I want to have some anointing in my life. You can't get anointing by just wishing for it. I'm going to tell you what God looks for. He looks for a worshiper. He says, that's where I can give my anointing. That's where I can bless. That's where I can multiply. Anointing comes with worship. Judah means praise, but not just Judah. Judas is a derivative of Judah and also means praise. Judas was taken out by Satan because Satan has always fought worship. He'd been trying for a long time to stop praise. That's why he'll try to stop your praise. He'll get you preoccupied even right now on your cell phone. He'll get you preoccupied with what you got to do tomorrow or in just about 30 minutes. He'll get you preoccupied with work this week. Or if it's not that, you'll start feeling a pain. Or you'll start feeling something pushing on your bladder. And you feel like it's time to go visit the restroom, the beautiful restrooms of East Wind Pentecostal Church. Or maybe I'll just stroll around the building like Solomon visiting his gardens. Because the enemy don't want you to praise God. The enemy just wants you to sit there like a bump on a log and consider all your troubles and all your trials. But oh, when a man or a woman says, bless the Lord anyhow. I'm going to bless God anyhow. I don't know why I'm going to the mountain. I don't know why I got to offer Isaac. But we're going yonder to worship. I don't know what's going to be the answer. But I know I can worship in that place. Or you ought to clap your hands under the Lord and bless the Lord with all of your heart. (laughs) Satan wants to stop your praise. Get you thinking about something else. But God fights for it. This is why the Lord would not let them stop the praise in the streets of Jerusalem. You tried to stop it with Abel, it didn't work. You tried to stop it with Judas, it didn't work. You're not going to stop it. He said, if you stop worshiping me, the very rocks are going to cry out. Nature is going to worship its creator. If you and I decide we're so sophisticated now, we can't worship God. God's blessed us so much. We got a nice building and nice clothes and a nice car and a nice house. It's a little unseemly to worship God with a lot of passion and a lot of fervor. I've graduated beyond that now. I'm going to tell you what. God's going to find somebody half crazy to worship God. You're not ever going to graduate to a place that you don't worship God. I don't care if you got a doctor's degree. I don't care if you got $5 million in the bank account. You better bless the Lord anyhow. He holds your breath in the palm of His hand. Every day is a gift. Every moment is an opportunity 
just say I will praise him anyhow. In the name of Jesus. Come on, it's time for a child to be born in the midst of the faithful. It's time for worship to be born in the midst of faith. I feel it building. I feel it building in this place. Give me seven more minutes. Joseph means the Lord will add. His name means increaser. He was given this name by his father at the time that little Joseph was born. There was no evidence at his birth that he would become the representation of God's ability to add and increase in a barren land. His name was just a mom and dad turning their faith into worship. We thank you, Lord, for Joseph. Up to this point, Rachel had had a barren womb and could not have a child. So when they had Joseph, they named him Joseph because he will add. He is an increaser. They didn't know what was ahead of him. But there was a child that was born from faith. That believed that God can do anything. There was a child of worship that was born in the midst of a barren situation. That said, he's my Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. They had no idea that one day he would stand before the Pharaoh of Egypt. And declare what they must do. So that that country and all the places around that land. To the far flung corners of that then known earth. Would all be looking to Egypt to get grain. And to be able to have their needs met. Why? Because. Because of one baby boy named Joseph, that when he was born, his parents said, we're going to worship God anyhow. He's our increaser. I've come to tell somebody tonight, I don't know what you may be going through, but you ought to go ahead and give birth to a child called worship tonight that says, I want to worship him anyhow. I don't know where my next check's coming from. I'm going to worship God anyhow. I don't know what's going to happen on my job. God is my increase. God's going to add to the situation. Oh, you say, it was easy for the parents to worship God, Jacob and Rachel, at this point, because the miracle had taken place. But the next child that Rachel gave birth to, she died in childbirth. But before she died, she named him Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. Just before she died, she turns to the handmaid and said, name him Benoni. He's the son of my sorrow. And he died. And Jacob changed his name to Benjamin. Which means the son of my right hand or power. We're going to worship God anyhow. He's lost his beloved Rachel. 
the one that he loved. You know how much he loved her, even the way he protected the two boys from her. But oh, he said, I'm not going to go through life with that child being named Benoni. No, I choose to worship, even though my heart is broke, even though I don't know how to go forward. I'm going to name him Benjamin. He's the son of my right hand. He's going to be a powerful young man. Oh, Jacob chose to worship, though he lost his beloved Rachel. That's what it takes sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. It's not always the Joseph being born. Sometimes it's the Benjamin that's born in the heart of sorrow. But you say, I'm going to lift up my hands anyhow. I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. He's been so good. I'm going to worship him in the midst of sorrow. Moses means plucked from the water. He was given that name by an Egyptian princess that found him floating down the Nile River. The children of Israel were in slavery. But God had a child being born. And that name would be fulfilled not when he was plucked out of the Nile River as an infant, but when Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. That Egyptian princess did not even realize when she named him Moses, uh, plucked from the water, that he was going to pluck the children of Israel from uh, the Red Sea by putting forth that step. And the water's going forth on dry ground. And the children of Israel coming across. Oh, yes, he was plucked from the water. He was uh, a representation of a God that can lead his people through any situation. Oh, I want to tell somebody tonight. I don't know what you may be going through specifically, but I know a God, hallelujah, that can make a way where there seems to be no way. I know a God, hallelujah, that can open up the Red Sea and bring you over on dry ground. It's not caught him by surprise what you're going through. Long before you came to this trial, God had an answer. I said God had an answer coming up the other side of the mountain. Long before they came to that obstacle called the Red Sea, with the Egyptian elite guard closing in on them, the Lord had a child born. Many years before Belshazzar and the princes of Babylon decided to desecrate the vessels of the Jerusalem temple with their debauchery and hedonism to the point that the hand of God would write on the wall, meaning, meaning, tinkle, you farce and being interpreted, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. He gave life to a child named Daniel many years before. And that name interpreted means God will judge long before the issue came about God looks forward in time and he's already got a messenger he's already got a Daniel oh they tried to shut him down with the lions but that didn't stop him because there was already the hand of God upon his life there was already a message that was in the works that God is going to judge some of you are facing a situation right now and it seems like that God is not at work I've come to tell you the child has already been born the answer is already on its way God is given space and time for repentance and because he's a merciful God but when it's all said and done there will be a Daniel that declares the judgment of God. Hannah was barren and could not have children, yet her name means favor. Hannah is barren and cannot have children, yet her name means favor. People must have thought she got the wrong name as a child. But God gave her a son, and his name was Samuel. She did have favor, but for a long time, it didn't look like she had favor. Some people look at you and think, I don't know why they serve God. It doesn't look like God's been good to them. You don't know the child that's been born. 
praise is being born in a barren land. I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. You know what she did? She got to the house of God and she began to worship the Lord so hard and so strong that it even embarrassed the high priest. He thought she was drunk, but she didn't care. She was ready to get an answer from God. Oh, I know my name needs favor, but I want to bless the Lord anyhow. Oh, you ought to read her prayer. She's there worshiping God. Long before Samuel is born, she's in the house of God worshiping the Lord. Oh, you said, I don't see my answer. Don't see my favor. Don't see my increase. Go ahead and bless the Lord anyhow. You say, I believe, Pastor. I believe God's going to do it. I know you do. But there's a child that comes from that belief. It's called worship. And you've got to go ahead and mix worship in with your faith. You've got to go ahead and mix praise in with your steadfastness. It's not enough to just keep on keeping on while you're putting one foot in front of the other. Go ahead and use your hands to bless the Lord anyhow. Go ahead and lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say, I'm going to do more than just be faithful. I'm going to worship God in the midst of my faithfulness. faith that we have must give birth to praise and if we're not careful we have been blessed to the point that pride will stifle our praise and stop the favor of God to bring new life second Samuel chapter 6 and verse 23 says in Michal who was the daughter of Saul married to David part of his reward for killing Goliath the Bible said she had no children to the day of her death. Why was that? Because the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 16 that when David came with the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, he's the king. He's so excited that the Ark of the Covenant is coming into Jerusalem. It's been down there in Benadab's garage all these years. But we've got it coming up into Jerusalem. We, we didn't even read all the law about how it should be moved. It's been so long since we had the ark here. We're not even sure of the protocol for bringing the ark into the city. As one of his men put his hand to guide it and immediately he was struck down. They had to stop everything. And finally they went back and they began to read what it must do, what it, how it must be brought to, and it must be born on the shoulders of men. You can't microwave praise. You can't just plug in a, a praise CD and think it's going to do it for you. You've got to use your mouth. You've got to use your struggle. You've got to use your pain. I know we got good musicians and we got good singers. Some of you just let them do all the worshiping. And then you wonder why you had a bad week. You got to use your mouth. This is class participation. This ain't a show. We're not Hollywood. We've not put on a performance for you tonight. We've all come together because we found out you can praise Him in any situation. But you got to praise Him. It's got to be born on the shoulders of men and women that say, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. I don't feel like it, but there's something inside of me that says I've got to praise Him. Woo! 
And every several paces, they stopped and had to have a victory party. You say, how come every Sunday night y'all got to have a victory party? Because every seven days, bless God, we got to have a victory party. (laughs) You ought to read about how they brought the ark into Jerusalem. You want praise to come up in your house? You got to praise them in the house of God. You want the ark to go home with you? You got to praise him all the way home. You got to praise him on Monday. You got to bless the Lord anyhow. You got to come to the house of the Lord and lift up holy hands unto him and say, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. This is not a one and done. This is not a one hit wonder. You got to have a consistent diet of bless the Lord, oh my soul. Not just when everything's going good. Mm. David was so happy they overcame all of that. Here it comes. He can see from his elevated position up in the window. Oh, he couldn't keep it to himself anymore. He'd come running down the stairs. He'd come running down the royal stairs. Had to get out in the street. Here comes the Ark of the Covenant. He's worshiping with all the common folk. And the Bible says in verse 16 of Second Samuel 6, And as the Ark of the Lord came into the city of David... Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. This is why he was a man after the heart of God. This is why God could restore him even though he was a man that was flawed and had committed terrible sins. But yet, he said, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. And he offered up peace offerings. And he began to bless the Lord anyhow. He got down in the streets. And he was leaping and dancing before the Lord. And the Bible said, And she despised him in her heart. I said she despised him. Every time there's going to be somebody that's going to be worshiping God, the enemy's going to find some critics to criticize that worship. I used to worry about that stuff. But I feel God pushing me past a barrier, a social barrier that says you need to quit worrying about what it looks like. How long has it been since you worshiped God to the point that it was embarrassing? Oh Lord, I love you. <laughs> Woo! She despised him. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for. He built a special house just for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings for the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt uh, among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel as well, to the women as men, to everyone, a cake of bread. Mm. When you start worshiping God, you're going to get an appetite and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. That's another Bible study there. So all the people departed everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. It ain't enough to just worship God in church. You need to worship God in your household. Some of you need to turn off the television. You need to turn off the internet. You need to turn off the games. And you ought to make your house a place of praise. 
Come on, men. Come on, women. Come on, parents. You got to say, this is going to be the house of worship. We don't just go to 1021 Emerson to worship God. This is the house of praise. We're going to bless God right here in this house. We're going to lift up our voice. We're going to magnify God right in our home. Bless the household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows, shamelessly uncovereth himself. David said unto Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me before thy father. I didn't get this position because of your daddy. So don't come up in here thinking you're going to stop my praise. I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. God's the one that chose me. And I'm going to worship Him. And it says, It was before the Lord that chose me before thy father and before all his house to anoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play. Somebody say Play. Play? I'm going to play before the Lord. And I will yet be more vile than thus. You think you got embarrassed today? It's going to get worse, sister. <laughs> it's going to be more vile than thus. I'm going to start worshiping God. So you're going to get so embarrassed, you might as well just go ahead and get ready. You're going to be embarrassed, embarrassed, embarrassed. I'm going to be more vile than dust and will be base in my own sight. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. He said, I'm going to worship God and of the people that you say I've made a fool of myself in front of. They're going to hold me in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. Because worship is what produces Life. I said worship is what produces life. I wonder, do we have more Davids or more Mikals in this audience today? People that are embarrassed by praise. Or people that said, I'm going to praise God anyhow. I don't care what you think of me. I remember the old days hiding under the pews when the ladies would pray and dance before the Lord and bobby pins would fly out like shrapnel in the Vietnam War. Ping, ping, ping. Nobody cared. They'd worship God all night long. I felt the hand of God last Sunday night. I got ready to leave. I told some of the people on the platform and, and I got ready to, to go back. No, it was Sunday morning and I was getting ready to go back to the welcome center and I, I got right there down these stairs on this side and I felt the hand of the Lord come up on my shoulder and he, I, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I just felt him impress me in my spirit. Just wait a minute. Just tarry for a moment. And I went over there and sat down next to my wife and my dad came and sat down on the other side and we just sat there in the presence of God for just a moment and I felt the Lord talking to me. We have lost the art of lingering in the presence of God. Oh, I'm going to preach a message about it. The lost art of lingering. The Bible says over and over that they tarried before the Lord. You can't microwave the presence of God. Sometimes you got to just abide in it for a little while. 
Sometimes you got to just tarry in it for a little while. She was embarrassed by David's praise. Sometimes you got to say, I'm going to worship God anyhow. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to give God some embarrassing praise. Hannah did it. David did it. You say, oh, pastor, I'm such a shy person. I don't think I could do it. I'm going to tell you one thing right now. People that have babies do a lot of embarrassing things. You got a little baby, you may start out being embarrassed, but after a while, you get over it. That baby's going to cry out at the wrong time. I was flying home from conference yesterday, and there was a two-week-old baby on the plane. You think that baby's worried about hurting your ears? You ever looked around and thought, have those parents gone tone deaf? Yes, they have. They have learned not to get embarrassed anymore. They talk real loud to their kids like everybody wants to be in on that conversation. They talk to their kids really loud. They make funny sounds. They sing funny songs. My goodness, two of my best friends had grandbabies this year. I can't believe the embarrassing stuff that they do. I was with them recently and the grandbabies came up on the on the FaceTime on the phone and my good buddy brother Joel Urshan started singing the cuppy cake song. <laughs> You're my honey bun sugar plum pumpy umpy umpkin. You're my sweetie pie. You're my cuppy cake gumdrop. Snookum boogum. You're the apple of my Itsy bitsy spider crawled up the... What are we singing about spiders for, for kids? They don't care what you think. They got a grandbaby. New life has been born. They were... I mean, we were in a public place. Itsy kutsy But if I ever get a grandbaby, I'm going to be right up there in the middle of them. What you love, you don't care what anybody else thinks. Stand to your feet tonight. Oh, I think God's wanting some love from His people. That said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I've come tonight to bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Come on, somebody. You ought to get your hands in the air. If you got to walk around this building, if you got to come out of this altar, you ought to lift your voice. You ought to give God some love tonight. You say, but, oh, preacher, I've been in a trial. I know you've been in a barren land, but there's a child that's going to be born in the midst I said there's a child that's going to be born in the midst of a barren land. The Akotorobo Shata.
Maybe we're not hungry enough to worship Him with embarrassing praise. Maybe God's been too good to us. We're just not thirsty enough. But somebody's going to break through tonight. Somebody's going to find a way to give Him some high praise in the house.
feel like having a dance party in this place tonight. Here's what I feel like doing. Everybody. We're going to do this by ages. Everybody that's 20 years old and younger. Y'all get to go first because y'all got the most strength. It's time for y'all to kill your pride. I want y'all to clear out and get some wingspan room. We're going to sing this again, but for just a few minutes, everybody 20 and younger. Now, don't you old people start heading back to your pews. You're not, I'm not done with y'all yet. <laughs> you are good all the time. 20 years old and younger. Are you ready? to learn how to dance. The Bible said there's a time to dance. You got to say, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what it looks like. That's it. Bring the kids down here. Bring them all right down front. Here's what I want you to do. I want you all to get some happy feet. I'm tired of young people being depressed. I'm tired of y'all being all depressed. Act like y'all got the troubles of a whole world on your shoulders. It's time to bless the Lord anyhow. You got strength. You got the hand of God. You've got the plan of God. You got destiny. You got calling. I want you for just about three to five minutes. I want you to bless the Lord. Dance, shout, run about, whatever you got to do. I want you to praise God until you're embarrassed by yourself. And I'm going to come looking for you. If you're doing one of them real conservative praises, I'm going to work with you until I help you get past the point of embarrassment. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Now, I'm not talking about this kind of patty cake praise. What's she thinking about me? What's he thinking about me? I'm talking about saying I'm going to just go ahead and start worshiping God. I don't care what anybody thinks. Are you guys ready? You ready, Paul? You need to demonstrate. You need to demonstrate how to worship God. Come up here. Some of your peers may not know. See, he's the son of a worship leader. They may not know what it's like to worship. Go ahead and show them how you're supposed to worship God. <laughs> Come on! 20 years and younger! Go ahead and praise Him! Leap for joy! Leap for joy! Leap for joy! You've been too good, God! You've been so good, God. You are good. You are good. All the time. All the time. You are good. You're so good. You are good. All the time. All the time. You are good. You are good. You are good. All the time. You are good. You are good. You've been so good, Lord. All the time. I gotta praise you in it, Lord. You're so good. 
My wife, we got to worship God in different age brackets. <laughs> 20 and 50. Raise your hand if you're between 20 and 50. Come on, don't lie now. <laughs> 20 and 50. Are y'all ready? Y'all know how to dance? You don't just have to stay in one spot. You can run the aisles if you want to. You can leap for joy. This is a house of praise. Come on, millennials. Come on, millennials. Come on, millennials. Come on, young adults. God's been good. God's got his hand on your life. God's at work in a very land. shot at us down there in Haiti. What year? Do you remember what year it was? 2018? 18. Four years ago, Jordan was with us. We had 40 people from this church down in Haiti. Jordan was on the security team with the president of Haiti. We hired him to be our personal bodyguard. We coming back from a crusade. Over 400 people filled with the Holy Ghost. Four vans, people in this church. If you were on that trip, raise your hand. I want all y'all to come up here on this platform. If y'all got to go home, just go home. My Lord, I'm tired of worrying about you. Everybody that was here, see how tall I told you Gregory done got? That's him right there. You remember Eric. 
were coming home from the crusade. They put barricades in front of our four vans. We had women, children, everybody. And we were in an ambush and bullets started flying out from all sides, hitting the van, rocks crashing into the vans, barricades in front of us. Jordan got out there with his 9mm and started returning fire. Just firing into the darkness. There was a wall on one side, a ditch on the other. And he started moving barricades. And he had these big concrete things he was trying to move by himself. Charles Robinette said, I got to get out there and help him. I said, you better stay right here. I had to sit on him in the van. I'm not telling Stacy you got killed out there. Jordan went out there and was moving the barricades and firing his 9mm back in the air. But he opened up the way, and we went through. And when we got to the hotel, there was bullets all in the vans, but nobody, no bullet had ever penetrated. Nobody was hurt, because you can't kill Frank. I said, you can't kill Frank. You can't kill Frank. Jordan said, I knew everything was going to be okay. Because he said, when I was moving those barricades, he said, I turned around and looked, and there was a shield over all four of the vans. He said, I knew their God was going to protect them. I knew their God was going to keep them. We laid our hands upon Jordan in the parking lot at 2 in the morning, and God filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I said, God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Just a few weeks ago, 